Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. Hi everyone, uh, today we're going to be looking at the life of a hero of faith, Abraham. And you'll find the story of Abraham in Genesis 12 to 25. And if you're not familiar with the story, I would really encourage you to pause uh, what you're listening to now and have a read of it. Make sure that you're familiar with the story. Um, But what we're going to do in this time now is we're actually going to look at a mention of Abraham from the New Testament. Um, And it's part of the Bible that that sometimes can be referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame. Uh, So let's have a look at Hebrews 11 verses 8 to 19, which hopefully gives us a summary of Abraham's story. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And that's Hebrews 11 verses 8 to 19. The life of Abraham is a very powerful story for us, and not only because how it sets in line a motion, a line of people that leads all the way to Jesus, but also because he was a man of such great faith. And we're going to look in this time at how Abraham took some steps of faith and some things that I think we can learn from this about living by faith. But before we properly get into this, I want to give us a definition of faith. And one definition that I really like is this. That faith can be defined simply as believing God. And I'll come back to this later, but Abraham was someone who believed God. God said it. Abraham believed it and crucially then acted in accordance with what God had said. And we talk about the idea of a step of faith, don't we? And sometimes that can be a big dramatic thing like it is for Abraham. And you probably can't get bigger than being aged 75, leaving your home and going to live in a tent in the middle of nowhere because you think God's going to make you into a nation when you're too old to have kids. And I think we could agree that's quite a significant step of faith. 
But a step of faith is also just about believing in God's commands and taking action and responding to that. Now, let me give you an example of this. And I'm kind of just choosing a scripture at random, really, to illustrate what I mean. But let's just consider Philippians 4, 4 to 7. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a couple of things here, isn't there? There's a command to rejoice and a promise that God wants us to be at peace rather than be anxious. So when we get anxious, the instruction is that we rejoice and come to God and he will give us peace. And we can believe in faith that this will happen. Why? Because it's a promise of God. And when we put him first and believe his promises and bring those requests to God and ask him to deal with our anxiety, we enter into that blessing of peace. And so by living by faith, we're just obeying the commands of God. What's he said to do? He doesn't want us to be anxious, you know, so, so we can come to him and we can experience peace. So we're going to think more now about this scripture in Hebrews 11 that I read out at the start and uh, a little bit more about what God might want to say to us today through that. And the first one is this. Um, If we look at verse eight, it tells us that Abraham went even though he didn't know the outcome. He didn't know where he was going. And it seems to me, and maybe it's just me, maybe you're all amazing at this and I'm not, but it seems to me that there's a natural tendency in us to want to know how things are going to work out from the start. But God's different and he asks us to trust that he knows how it's going to work out and to take steps towards that. And as we do, he'll reveal more and more. It's a journey of faith. And as Abraham got going, God did reveal more and more to him. And that took time. You know, it had to wait. It was 25 years from when God called Abraham to get going before that baby came. But Abraham kept going. You know, God sees the beginning from the end and we don't see the beginning from the end. But he's trustworthy, isn't he? We can trust that God knows what he's doing, even though we can't see the outcome. This also shows us a bit in how faith results in action. Abraham believed God and acted upon what he said. Let's just have a look at Genesis 12, where it does um, talk about this. It says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And in this scripture here, Abraham is referred to as Abraham. And later on, God changes his name. Um, but when we look at the words that we have here, we, we obviously see the benefit. We, we, we see all, all of biblical history, don't we? So we get to see how these instructions and the, these promises of God that have been given here fit into the context of God's plan for the world. And we've got that lens of a few thousand years of history to view them through. We can see how what Abraham's doing now and the promises God is giving him are setting something in motion that leads on to Jesus And leads on to our relationship with God that comes through Jesus. That's how we receive that blessing. But imagine you're Abraham 
for a minute. Imagine you're hearing those words for the first time. Now, I've got to be honest here. They're a little bit light on detail, really, aren't they? I mean, there's not a lot of instruction. There's there's sort of a we'll get going and and a couple of sort of obscure promises for a couple that are quite frankly too old to have children. Yet in Abraham, it generated faith. It moved him into action. If God gave Abraham all the detail, if God gives us all the detail, it doesn't actually require any faith, does it? It doesn't actually really require a response. We just sort of go with it. We've got to be willing to trust God's leading. Faith is when we put what he says first and go with it, even when we can't see how things are going to work out. This was such an unusual situation for Abraham, wasn't it? If we judge this by today's standards, it's just weird. But God knew exactly what he was doing. And we can trust that he does. So let's be people who hear what God says and act upon it, even though we don't know how it's going to work out. Let's not worry about knowing how things are going to happen. But trust that God um, holds that big picture. Because actually, the next thing I want to move on to is how Abraham saw the big picture. Let's just revisit Hebrews 11 again, verses 9 and 10. It says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of him with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham left his home and he arrived in Canaan. This was the land that God had led him to and promised him. And then he lived in a tent. I mean, this is hardly the stuff of building a great nation, is it? You know, I'm going to go and live pretty much in the middle of nowhere in a tent. But it was Abraham's faith in God's promise that carried him through. And you see, I I suspect that Abraham knew a very special secret that we as Christians really need to keep close into our hearts. Are you ready for this? Here it comes. It's not about you. It's not about you. See, that land did become a great nation. But Abraham died before he saw that. But if he hadn't gone, it would have never happened. And when we realise it's not all about us, then we can be comfortable with that. Our individualistic society puts a high premium on individual achievement and what you're doing and achieving everything and makes it very much about us. But God's looking for obedience, for people who realise that they fit into a body. Let's look at this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're living stones. We're each one being joined together to be built into something that brings glory to God. A spiritual house, a temple of worship together. And this isn't an individual thing. I can't build a house with only one brick. Abraham recognised that there was a bigger picture to this. That he had a part to play. But it wasn't just all about him and what he was doing and how was he going to see all this stuff and it's so easy for us to get caught up in making ourselves look good when actually we're called to join together as living stones and make God look good 
I believe Abraham truly is one of the heroes of faith and we should rightly talk about his faith and his obedience and the impact of it. And quite rightly, as we're doing in this time together, we should learn from Abraham. But the winner here is God. The one who does the stuff is God. Only God can enable a 90-year-old childless woman to conceive a child. Only God can be the one who works things out according to the good, the good of those who love him. Only God can take what Abraham started and make it into a great nation. You know, we need to recognise that what we do fits into the bigger picture of, of what God is doing and be comfortable with that. That God will use us as he sees fit and let's enjoy that. Abraham lived by faith because he had a greater hope. The city described in Hebrews 11 is heaven. Abraham knew he was part of a bigger picture of what God was doing. And when we see that our life on earth is but a breath, but our eternity forever is with him, then we lift our eyes off ourselves, off the values of this world, and we make our lives one that recognises who this is really all about. And when we do that, I think we can make our greatest faith-filled contributions to building our lives and the lives of others around us into that living place of worship. When we see the big picture, when we have that greater hope of eternity, it enables us to put God first in our decision making, our values and our actions, because we know that we're part of something greater than ourselves. Jesus says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's Matthew 16, 25. Let's lay down all that makes it about us and about what we're doing so that we can gain the life that he offers. Let's enjoy playing the part that God has asked us to play. And we may never see the fullness of it all. We may never see how what we're doing fully fits in to God's plan until eternity but wow, isn't it amazing that he uses us as part of the multitude of believers around the world to enact his great plan. And as we all do that and work together, God is the one that receives the recognition. He is the one that is lifted up because the winner is God. And so let's enjoy playing our part just like Abraham did. He went and he did what God asked him to do. Abraham also demonstrated that he had faith in spite of the circumstances. Verse 11 of Hebrews 11 makes it clear that Sarah's past the age of childbearing. I think Romans 4 gives us a fabulous perspective on this situation as well. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And that's Romans four, eighteen to 25. God had promised Abraham and Sarah a child, yet the reality of their circumstances made it look like this was not just unlikely, but impossible. I wonder how often we write off what God says because we don't think it's possible.
If God says it, we can believe it. Sometimes our circumstances may change. And as we take that step in faith, God may cause our circumstances to be different. Or sometimes God fulfills his promise in spite of our circumstances. Abraham and Sarah didn't magically get younger. But they were still able to have that child that God had promised them, even even in their old age. However God chooses to do it, his promises are true and he will fulfil them. I'd encourage you to spend more and more time reading the Bible. Let's spend more and more time looking at the commands of Jesus. Let's spend more and more time looking at the promises of God. Let's spend more and more time listening to what he has to say to us through his word. What he wants to say about us. And believe that if he has said it, then it is true. Let's more and more become people of the word of God. Who believe what the word says despite our circumstances. Romans 10.17 tells us that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. You know, one of the issues I face is I often look at what Jesus says and then I look at the culture I'm in and the world I'm in and I think, is this really doable nowadays, God? You know, it was different, wasn't it, when you were walked on the earth, Jesus? But if Jesus says it, then it must be. Please, 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 please read your Bible. I know it probably sounds a bit patronising and I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to patronise anybody. But honestly, it's fundamental, isn't it? You know, know what it says and let's in faith live it out. As we do that, we're going to see God transform us. As we do that, we're going to see God transform the world around us. As we do that, God is going to be the one that people recognise. Because he's going to see a body of believers, those living stones built together as people who are living out powerfully by faith. The stuff that God has asked us to do and live in the life he calls us to live. And when we do that, who can question whether God is real or not? You know, let's be people who are the word of God, who believe that God has the power to do what he says he will do. We don't need to make up our own thing or try and engineer circumstances. Um, If you know the story of Abraham, you'll know that him and Sarah made the decision uh, that Abraham should try and conceive a child through one of the servants. And uh, that didn't go very well for them. Uh, The the child was conceived, but um, it led to all sorts of problems. And so, you know, we just need to trust in God's promises and in what he says and follow that. And, uh, you know, we don't need to engineer anything. We can just enjoy watching what God does as we walk in obedience to him. So I just want to mention a few practicalities uh, that I hope will be of some benefit um, uh, to to those of you listening. Um, The first one is just to consider the difference between faith and presumption. And uh, I hope I hope so far that I've been able to illustrate for us um, Abraham's response to God's promises, Abraham's response to God's word and how Abraham lived in accordance with with God's word. And if we sort of return to what we said at the start about how one way we can define faith is as believing God, then it suggests to us that it can only be an act of faith if God's actually said it. Let me give you a little illustration here that I hope will be of some help. Um, Those of you who know me and my family, 
um, will be familiar with our move to Macedonia. Uh, we moved here in 2018 and uh, in the first few months we had a few issues with our visas and <coughs> excuse me and it became clear that we would have to leave the country for between six and eight weeks while some documentation was sorted out because we'd had a few delays and so rather than returning to the UK we went to join uh, another team out in Romania whilst we waited for the visas to be processed and the plan was that once we'd had notification from the Macedonian embassy in London, we would fly to London from where we were in Romania and get our, our uh, visas from the embassy. And then we would fly back from London to Skopje uh, here in Macedonia where we live. And so we knew it would be roughly that six to eight week period, but we didn't know exactly. And about five weeks in to our time in Romania, I got an email from the airline that we use uh, informing me that they'd got 20% off if I booked the tickets on that very day. And so I thought, well, I'll just have a little look. And uh, I started to look at some flight prices for the coming weeks. And I could see in a couple of weeks, which I reckon would be about the latest time uh, that we'd want the flight, there was some just quite good prices that would actually be even better with the 20% with the discount. And I said to Katie, I said, oh, they've got a sale on today. Should we should we in faith book the flights and we can get them a bit cheaper? Um, because the visa will probably be ready by then. And Katie wisely responded to me by saying, has God told you to do it? And of course, the honest answer to that question was no. I just read an email and thought it'd be a good idea. Um, and I thought I was being brave. So I didn't book the flights. And interestingly, the 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 time that we would have taken those flights if I'd booked them, the visas weren't ready yet. And uh, so if I had uh, gone with those, then we would have lost not only all the money that we'd spent on those flights, but we'd have also had to book new flights. Um, and so instead of saving 20%, we'd have lost 100%. What was also good was that a week or so later, we actually received an additional donation from one of our supporters who uh, knew we'd be spending this extra money at this time. And uh, they, the, the amount that they sent us was roughly equivalent to 20% off the, the flights we then eventually did book. Um, and, uh, you know, what I'm trying to, to, to illustrate for us is that we can only step out in faith if God has said it. Otherwise, it's just presumption. My problem was uh, in that thing, I wasn't stepping out in response to what God said. I was trying to be brave and courageous and bold and assuming that God would pick up the pieces for me. Now, maybe in his mercy he would and I've, I've experienced those times when he has. But we can't presume that. We can't presume anything. We can only listen to God and then respond in faith to what he has said. It's only a step of faith if it's in response to God's leading. You know, Jesus is our good shepherd, isn't he? Let's listen to this from John chapter 10. It says, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because he know, because they know his voice. That's John 10, uh, 2 to 4. And if you read through that whole passage of John 10, there's so much in there about listening to his voice and, uh, you know, let's get good, shall we, at listening to his voice. Let's get good at living by faith. Let's get good at being those people who know what Jesus's voice sounds like and responds to it. 
let's get good at reading our Bible and listening to, to the voice of God that way. God speaks in so many different ways, doesn't he? Um, let's, let's get good at recognising that voice and saying that we really know the voice of the Good Shepherd. So the first thing I want us to think about is that faith rather than presumption. And just lastly, we've got to view all this in the context of, of the understanding that we're fully dependent on the grace and the mercy of God. You know, this passage that we've read today in Hebrews 11, Abraham gets a great write-up, doesn't he? They really praise his achievements and how he walked in obedience, and, and quite rightly so, I think. You know, Abraham was an amazing man of God, and there's so much in his life that inspires, and uh, I think, you know, we, we should give glory to God for what he's done in the life of Abraham. As you read the full story in Genesis, you'll see lots of other things that aren't mentioned in the Hebrews uh, uh, passage. You'll see his generosity, his wisdom, his courage. You'll see how he was willing to give up his own interests for those of others. He really was an amazing man. But you'll also read about a number of failures. You'll also read about how he withheld the truth and how I mentioned earlier on that incident where Abraham slept with his servant Hagar in order to father that child. And try and fulfil God's promise rather than going with God's timing and God's purposes. Yeah, Abraham certainly was not perfect by any means. And the reality is that none of us are. We all mess up. We all do things we know we shouldn't have done. And when that happens like, like Abraham, we must depend on the mercy and grace of God. Thankfully for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that mercy is freely given to us through Christ. It's because God is merciful that he kept his promises to Abraham despite Abraham's failings. Perhaps you can think of times when you haven't believed God. Maybe you missed out on something or like Abraham, you took matters into your own hands instead of relying upon God and waiting for him. You know, the time that we've had together now, I could have filled this this whole talk up with stories of when I've done exactly that. I very nearly did with that flight incident. Remember that the grace and mercy is there for you also at the cross. You might have done some of those failings that Abraham did, but God isn't looking to squash you. God is looking to restore. God is looking to still fulfil those promises. And, uh, you know, he did fulfil that promise through Abraham. Sarah did eventually conceive that child. And, uh, you know, as you read through the Bible, you'll see what happened next. It's amazing. You know, just to finish off, Abraham was someone who believed God. He heard the voice and acted upon it. Let's be people who tune into the voice of God and act in faith and do the same. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, I thank you for the life of Abraham and the amazing guy that he was. I thank you, Lord, for the way that he stepped out in faith. And I thank you that we can learn so much from his life. But Lord, we thank you that it's all about you and what you've done. And we want to give you praise for what you did in the life of Abraham. We want to give you praise for how you enabled Abraham to walk in obedience, for how you enabled him and Sarah to conceive that child. And we thank you, Lord, for what you did. Lord, we thank you that you speak to us also. We thank you that you're our good shepherd and wherever you lead us is always going to be good. And we thank you that you speak to us and that 
we can tune ourselves in to hear your voice and we can know the voice of God. What an amazing privilege it is, Lord, to know and hear your voice. So I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would help us to hear your voice in ever-increasing amounts and walk in faith in obedience to it, despite our circumstances, despite not knowing what the outcome is and knowing that we're part of your bigger picture. And as we do that, you would be the one who gains the recognition. Thank you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.